0: Christmas one and all. God bless us, everyone. This is Mike Stranks with the CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for December 2012. This month, we're meeting two people who are or who have been working in South America and someone from the Democratic Republic of Congo who's taking forward the work that one of CMS's former mission partners started some time ago. So first, to South America and to Paraguay mission partner Lynn Tedman has just finished 15 years of mission partner service at St Andrew's School in Ascension. When Jeremy Woodham met Lynn recently, he put it to her that working in a school for the children of the rich and privileged might seem an odd way of fulfilling Christ's great commission.
1: Well, the rich members of society are normally the leaders of society. And if they don't know the Lord, How are they going to help the poorer members of society? Because so often it's me, 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 and they don't look at what's happening um, around them. So our aim is to bring our children into a relationship with Jesus and to teach them Christian values um, so that they can go out into the world and, and share what they have with those who are less fortunate. Um, and better their country, um, make their country a better place to live in.
2: Now that mm. would be anathema in Britain
1: mm-hmm.
2: as an aim for a school. Yeah. Is, is that okay in Paraguay? You're quite explicit about this.
1: Yes, um, Yeah, we don't have the problems in Paraguay that there are now in England. The country is 95% Catholic and they're all practicing Catholics. They go to church. And so it's easy to talk about God, easy to talk about Jesus.
2: Hmm. And what what happens in the school day to uh, that makes St. Andrew's a different kind of place?
1: Um, the children have Bible study twice a day, once twice a day, twice a day. Once in Spanish, a half an hour in Spanish and a half an hour in English. We start each morning session with Bible study. Each afternoon session with Bible study. And many children here would think, "Ooh, he's ramming the Bible down their throats," but these children are hungry for it, and we get some very, very deep questions asked to us. Um, the younger ones, we we sit them round uh, informally and tell Bible stories, use DVDs. Um, whereas from the fourth grade upwards, the children actually have a Bible each, and they read the Bible. We we read two or three chapters every day.
2: Hmm. And are there there other ways that school goes about helping form their characters?
1: We had a few discipline problems in the past, so now we encourage the children to help other people um, and we run projects for them. We've painted a school down the road, Uh, the children make blankets for old people's homes, They've helped with AIDS orphans and worked in a, um, an orphanage. And each year, groups of secondary students go into the Chaco, and they've done things like digging wells, uh, which is really hard work. They they see the other side of life. They have to rough it when they go out.
2: And that um, brings them into uh, it, contact across uh, it, social yes, barriers, great, it, I guess.
1: Yes, yes. And is and that something
2: that's quite rare? Uh, in Paraguay? It is
1: quite rare. Um, they all, nearly all of them, have a life-changing experience during that time and they come back um, wanting to do more.
2: And other students, other past students of the school, um, what sort of things do they get up to?
1: Well, we've got one who's a senator and he has clung on to his faith from being in St Andrew's School and learning so much.
2: And your role, Lynn, For most of that time, you've been the librarian at the school. Again, not an obvious mission role, Mm -hmm. if you like. Mm -hmm. How has that position enabled you to share Jesus?
1: Well, I turned the position down flat initially. God spoke to me um, over six months and showed me that it could be changed. At that time, it was a bit of a place where people sent naughty boys because they couldn't cope with them in their class but i saw a way of opening it up to becoming a real working library and that christmas just before coming back here the bishop called me in for an interview and i knew what it was god told me and i went went in and said the answer's yes and he said yes to what and i said you're going to ask me if i will take over the library and he was just completely wiped out I said but I take it on my terms and gave him a plan a six-year plan I I went ahead with it and within six months I had transformed the library into a working library and the children loved coming in there and the real spin-off was that children would come in and share their problems with me and I could sit and pray with them quietly in the library and that has been a tremendous privilege
2: have people subsequently told you about what that has meant to them
1: recently one of our pupils died in a horrific car accident and we were at her wake and I was standing there feeling very sad and thinking about what her life might have been like had she lived when an ex-student who left the school um, a, a couple of years ago he came up and he put his arm around me And he said, you know, you showed Gabby how much she was valued. And you also showed me how much I was valued. And I think that's what life is all about, because Jesus values each of us. And we need to value others in the same way and to show his love for them. And I felt Jesus' love for me at that moment when that pupil, ex-pupil, shared that with me.
0: Lynn Tedman from St Andrew's School in Paraguay explaining to Jeremy Woodham how God has used her and the other teachers at the school to show Christ's love to those who will go on to have positions of influence in that country. Let's thank God for the way that he's led Lynn to that crucial role in the school and for the lives she's been able to influence and touch. Let's also pray for Lynn as she resettles in the UK and for those at St Andrews that she has left behind. Audio mission. You may remember Judy Aitchison, who retired earlier this year after serving as a mission partner in the Democratic Republic of Congo for many years. Judy pioneered a revolutionary youth work in the Anglican Diocese in the country, but had every confidence in handing over the responsibility to the Reverend Bisoke Balikenga, who now heads up the work. When Basoki was in Oxford recently, Jeremy Woodham asked him what was his vision for Christian youth work in Congo.
3: Our mission or our vision for the youth in the Congo, we are there to build them first of all spiritually, physically, morally and psychologically. The young people, they are the, the nation of tomorrow. They are the leader of tomorrow.
2: What ways practically are you doing
3: that okay we are doing that we have a special program and also we have uh we have activities which is attracting the youth to come to the church then also we have uh meetings with the young people we have a special service for them then also we have uh, a manual a special manual which is helping them in order to attract them that program which is that manual is uh, the, the the themes which is helping them to have a discussion in order it orient them to reach where to build the young people who can do good for this world and also who can be, be prepared for 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 leading nation churches and also to build a very good family
2: now these, these manuals um, tackle real subjects like how to fight poverty and subjects like that, is that correct?
3: Yes, yes, like the, our third manual of Said, and uh, youth uh, with God let us fight against poverty. And also in that book it teaches young people several things, about fiance to have a boyfriend, girlfriend. And also how they can have a small business for their life. How they can create a life. How they can create a business. Then that, that money also will help the young people. How they can be good. How they can be reconciled to each other. How they can build peace. Because uh, young people like my, own my country they are very uh, special to create conflict. They are also easy to use them by those people who have money. Then we are we are create. we are doing our best in order to train them to be the good people. Then they can build peace.
2: So, I mean, young people have been used and abused in in conflict in Congo?
3: Yes, yes, that one is true. Many young people have been used, if I can remember the war we had in 1999 up to 2004. The young people have been used by the politician, by the people who are really influenced, the young people. They give them money. Now they create war among the tribes. Then even the government was using some of them. Then also they create a conflict among people which let many people pass away. Then for us our mission is to help the young people in order they can really build peace. Then we have, we have created a, a reconciliation team with the young people there in that team. Some people are there and only we target the youth because the youth... They are really the fragile people who people can use them and also we are trying to let our team to help those young people who are in the conflict tell us what is your driving
4: passion
2: as you look towards the next years coming up for the young
3: people in congo i like to see the young people in congo to have uh, really the heart of uh, developing their country the way our book, our manual said uh, young people in the Congolese let us fight against the poverty with God. I like to see the Congolese young people to try to love their country then also to enjoy the resources of, the, of their country and also they can have a development by having peace and the unity. Then I like the young people of Congo really. To be prepared to lead the country to lead the churches, because now those who are there now they are going for they are going to be old recently they are going to get a retirement now, if you cannot see the young people growing spiritually are growing morally, psychologically, physically, then our future is not good.
0: The Rev. Bisoke Balekenga explaining his hopes for the young people of the Democratic Republic of Congo. I think we can take those hopes and make them our prayers. Audio Mission Our final interview this month is with the Reverend Suzanne Irvine, who's been serving as a short-term mission partner in Arequipa in Peru. I was particularly looking forward to talking to Suzanne because her prayer and newsletters have frequently had me laughing out loud as she describes her experiences as a single white woman in a very different culture. When we spoke on the telephone a while ago, I asked Suzanne what she's been doing in Peru.
5: Three sort of separate things, really. Um, I spend three days a week working in a school that belongs to the Diocese of Peru. I help in English lessons there, which is um, always uh, amusing. I also work in a children's home two days a week, also uh, belonging to the Diocese of Peru. Um, I play games with them, I run arts and craft times, um, listen to, to whatever's going on in their lives, help celebrate their birthdays and generally do life alongside them. Um, and then the third thing is, is on Sundays. I was running a Sunday school in a church without a roof, but I'm now helping at a church with no building at all out in the countryside. So a mixed bag of things, really.
0: Do you think it's changing you? Because you've been there since, what, last September?
5: A lady at the church heard that I needed somewhere to live. And the bishop had said I was a bit poor and didn't have much money because I was supporting myself. And she invited me to live with her and her family. And in terms of of moving in with this this fabulous lady who's turned out to be one of the most important people for me here, not long after I moved in, it turned out she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Went off to Lima for an operation to have the tumour removed at the end of December last year. On her way back a few days later to Arequipa, her night bus crashed into a mountain and my friend, who I live with suffered broken ribs, a broken wrist, a punctured lung and was covered in cuts and bruises. She then spent the next two week over two weeks in hospital and is an absolute walking miracle. In terms of whether or not I've been changed by being here, this woman inspires me every single day. Her faith and trust in God um, is an inspiration.
0: I wonder, do you have any stories of the work that you do and how that's impacted on you and and really encouraged you in what you're doing out there?
5: Christmas was definitely a highlight. I spent Christmas, um, I slept over um, with another member of staff at the children's homes and spending that evening on Christmas Eve standing around the crib scene holding hands And each of us taking turn to thank God for something that's been important to us this year and was a really special time. And then all of us trooped off up to the roof to stand on the flat roof of the home and watch the whole city, literally the whole city of Arequipa explode in a blaze of fireworks at midnight to celebrate God entering the world as a baby. Never seen anything like that in my life. And that was that was a spectacular and very special time.
0: I wonder, if have you ever felt lonely and a long way from anybody while you've been there?
5: I'd say one of the things that um, that's, which will stick out for me when I return to England is the overwhelming sense of having to persevere every single day mm. when it feels like you see little or no fruit. All you're doing is trying to live faithfully, faithfully every day, and that has to be enough. Um, and that has to be, you know, that, that's the thing I'm learning and growing about. Um, I'm learning and growing far more than I'm offering, I'm sure of that.
0: From from what you've just been saying, you, you've you had a, a few things that you've had to to wrestle with, if I can put it that way. Has it ever got to the point where you thought, I've had enough, I'm going back?
5: Never, never. One of the, the most fulfilling things for me is knowing that you're doing your best to serve God every day and living in his will. And for me, I believe that this is where, where God wants me to be for this year I've decided to commit here and so there's never been a question no matter how difficult it gets and um, you can't just walk away when you think this is where god wants you to be right. and when it's difficult you know one of the one of the tips for me is, is humor for me is a great way of dealing with stuff i'm noticing the little things i look for encouragements if they're not forthcoming i hunt them out
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so so you're there until september then what
5: and then um, uh, earlier this year in march i got engaged to a very wonderful man that lives in London, and on Christmas Eve this year, we're going to be getting married.
0: And then what? In terms of Christian, then, Christian service?
5: I'm going to be job hunting like crazy to find a, a parish or, or some other suitable job um, that God has in store for me somewhere in London. So, prayers very much appreciated for that. Okay. When I get back, I'll be homeless and jobless.
0: So let's pray especially for Suzanne as she gets married on Christmas Eve, that it'll be a wonderfully happy day and that God will be at the centre of it. Let's also pray that God will direct Suzanne to the job and ministry that he wants her to be doing. And let's pray too for the school and the children's home that Suzanne was working in during her time in Arequipa, that there'll be places where the peace and love of God will be very evident. and now for our reflection, which this month is brought to us by Phil Simpson, CMS's director for Asia.
4: Well, we've had an interesting audio mission, hearing about a librarian in Paraguay, and reconciliation in war-torn Congo, as well as uh, living faithfully every day in Peru. And I really wanted to pick up on living faithfully in war-torn context. It was in August 2010, when a medical team in Afghanistan was murdered by the Taliban, 10 of them, having been off uh, in the remote district of Nuristan. And the widow of Tom, who had been leading that team, just prior to that, had shared something I wanted to read out to you from a letter. She quotes Eugene Peterson and his book, Discipleship in an Instant Society. The essential thing in heaven on earth is that there be a long obedience in the same direction. For there, in the long run, is something that has made life worth living. And I suppose her challenge in a place like Afghanistan, war-torn situation, very similar to Congo, was that it takes real commitment, long-term commitment, to make a difference in a place like that. It takes time to show God's mercy, she said. Homes blown up, villages levelled, refugees, camps, crowded with destitute and dying women, children suffering loss upon loss. That's why it needs time to make a difference. And that idea that God may be calling people, not just for a week or a month or even a year, but for the long haul, giving God time, perhaps a lifetime, to flesh out his mercy in the miserable mess of war. It takes years, even decades to bind up war wounds, heal the brokenhearted and restore the ruined places. And I think that challenge to the long haul is something we take very seriously in CMS, and in our community. That long obedience in the same direction for there in the long run is something which makes life worth living. Maybe I can finish with a prayer from the Northumbria community. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever he may lead you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you back rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you back rejoicing once again into our doors, amen.
0: And that reflection from Phil Simpson brings to a close this CMS Audio Mission prayer focus for December 2012. This is Mike Stranks wishing you a very happy Christmas on behalf of everyone here at CMS Oxford. May we all know God's continuing presence and guidance as we enter the new year. Goodbye for now and see you next year.